Namaste. My name is Preeti Chaudhary, and I am here to talk about all things talent. Talent, something which is absolutely either exclusive or elusive or endangered even. The whole point why we are here to talk about this particular impediment is because on the one hand, all our unicorns flush with all the funds and everything else are looking for humongous numbers of people to fill all the positions. But on the other hand, there is also the fact that this talent is absolutely not to be found. So here we are with a six part series called talent, exclusive, elusive or endangered. And here I am today for episode number one. How big is this talent problem? with two of my very good friends, Dr. Grace Sampson, who is the vice president and head of HR at Informatica, and Lohit Bhatia, who is the president of Workforce Management at QuestCorp. This series is powered by QuestCorp and Quest IT Staffing. What a wonderful discussion this is going to be. I am all ready and excited to get this conversation started. So let us get Grace, first of all, into this conversation. Grace, a very good morning, and thank you for joining us live here today. Please self-introduce yourself, tell us who you are, and also tell us what your thoughts are on this whole talent piece of being either exclusive or elusive or endangered even, and also talking about what is this big problem all about talent that is going on currently. Over to you. Thank you. A very, very good morning, uh, Preeti. Thank you so very much for having me here and wonderful Lohit to uh, be on the panel along with you. Uh, very excited to really make this uh, discussion a very meaningful one uh, for all of us involved here. And um, in terms of uh, myself, uh, I'm sure Preeti already has introduced, but in terms of role, I've been um, in the HR world for about 25 years now, currently uh, leading HR for Informatica and uh, cannot imagine doing anything apart from HR. It's always been uh, a very people-focused career personally for me and that's really what I love uh, doing. Uh, switching quickly to this wonderful topic, um, about talent well i'm sure preeti uh, we've all been part of multiple discussions around multiple um, areas right we talk about multi-generational workforce diversity various other topics but all of it really stems from this particular topic we are here to talk and share about which is talent right because all of uh, uh, it stems from talent and, and it's really exciting to talk uh, and decode some of, um, you know, the challenges around today's topic, right? We're talking about is talent exclusive, elusive or endangered, right? And let me kind of step back to share my thoughts around why did we even get to um, the current situation that we are in, right? It's, it's always important to look at the why and the how before we actually start decoding a little more of it uh, uh, from a talent perspective. Uh, when you look at uh, talent, historically, most organizations have been managing talent, according to me, from the surface, right? Managing performance from the surface. However, in, with changing times, you suddenly see a shift in terms of managing performance, managing talent based on output, right? Based on results, based on business impact. And I think that's really why top talent is the category of people who become very exclusive, right? For any organization. Uh, and, and of course, when you decode the why a little further, you will also see how the world has not just changed drastically, but dramatically, right? A lot of, I do remember five years before in panel discussions that I've been, 
nobody predicted COVID. Nobody talked about a hybrid workforce, not many at least, right? But today, there's been such a huge lift and shift in the way we work, the way we dine, the way we shop, the way we, um, you know, um, uh, even focus on our health is 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 all virtual, right? And and that lift and shift has definitely created a huge gap, I would say, uh, between uh, what is existing currently right now in terms of talent and the ask, right? Um, the ask again from our clients in terms of uh, the kind of technology that companies are trying to create and and reinvent for these changing times. And, and this change um, has also led or pushed companies to a situation where their reinvention or their, their creating new products to suit newer ways of working uh, for clients needs to be that dramatic and drastic, right? It There is a quick um, you know, solution that most of our clients are looking for because there is no time and space to invest and gradually grow into the future. And I think that's really reason why, um, you know, talent seems so elusive, so exclusive. And of course, uh, you know, because this particular talent is just far and few, while opportunities are plenty, and this war that we're in, um, you know, uh, has very, very limited timelines, very, very limited resources. Now, talent, of course, I think is, is, is something all of us are talented, right? The question that we need to ask ourselves is talented versus skilled, because the skilled are the ones who are going to be highly successful. And the delta between the two really is the willingness for people to adapt and to evolve, right? Where they have a constant growth mindset. That's the talent that is getting endangered because on one hand, you have baby uh, boomers who who just so used to their way of working. And they are the people most of the time sitting in, in uh, higher up in the hierarchy, right? And there is this need for them to also think different, change, reskill, upskill, uh, focus on, uh, you know, how, um, you know, they can manage new age talent and really look at talent with a different lens. And on the other hand, you have millennials, Gen Y, Gen Z, and the, and the future of workforce who basically looking at the whole uh, expectations of work in, in, in a different, different paradigm, right? Their ask out of work is not the typical nine to six. The compensation expected is not the typical of salary ranges that we talk about. And the flexibility, the location agnostic approach that we're really moving into, all of this really adds up to making talent all the more exclusive, elusive, and endangered. So that's really uh, my view of the current situation right now. And if we start looking at these real-time problems uh, with appropriate lens, we definitely will find appropriate solutions to at least um, contain most of, of, of the challenges in our workforce. Uh, back to you, Preeti. Thank you so much, Grace. That's absolutely spot on. And a proper analysis of the whys before we can get to the hows and the rest of the things. A very quick reminder for the dear audience that is logged in here today. This is an interactive panel, which means Grace and Lohit here will also be taking your live questions. So please don't be shy. The chat section, the comment section is open for your observations, comments, questions. Please do use that. And remember, today we have 50 years of work experience on this panel. So if you are not asking any questions, there is only one loser, and that is you, dear audience. So with that, let me now head over to my other friend, dear Lohit, and asking the same question. Lohit, what are your views on the overarching topic as per talent being exclusive, elusive, or endangered, and then stemming on to how big is that talent problem from your own lived 
observed and shared experiences. Over to you, Lohit. Thank you. Thank you, Preeti, and uh, good morning to all the audience. Uh, uh, Dr. Grace, your opening was stellar and amazing. That sets us for a, a good discussion today. Uh, also, happy Onam to everyone who's listening to us today, and if anybody is celebrating at home, this also marks uh, the start of festive fervor as far as India is concerned. And a lot that we do at Quest is in some ways embedded to the festivities and the festival spirit in this festival time. Uh, you know, Priti, the question that we are asking today, I mean, before I go there, I'll just give you a bit of a context. This is uh, 25 years of, you know, corporate life for me. Uh, this is my 25th year. And in some ways, shape or form, the first decade was managing talent in manufacturing companies and, you know, doing sales and uh, marketing and distribution. The last 15 has been in services company, predominantly in the last 10 plus years has been at Quest. At Quest, we manage talent, not just for ourselves, which is about 5,000 odd resources, which work on a full-time basis for our customers and within the organization. But we manage close to 369,000 uh, people worldwide. Uh, that's for our customers. These are people who are deployed to work for clients to ensure that clients' outcomes happen on a daily basis. Um, within that space, today the biggest challenge that we see is not so much about the demand which is coming from customers. Maybe that would have been the challenge of the first decade of setting up the organization, but in the last two years, it's more about the availability of talent and finding the right talent at the right time for the customer's needs. Uh, so that's a bigger challenge. And that's what all of us are trying to solve every day at work. I think what's happening is, one, we must understand that, you know, economies are circular in nature. Uh, we don't live an insular life anymore. Uh, we are not cave people anymore. We cannot be singled out and say say that you know this impact to society or this impact to economy will have an x y or a z impact only in a certain segment and i'll give you an example you know uh, the other day i was talking to media and the favorite question that we get at the start of august from media across the country is hey what's happening about festive hiring and you would notice that there are weeks and weeks where everybody starts talking about the rampant hiring in the e-commerce segment or in the delivery segment. And I was talking to someone in media and I made this analogy and I said, you know, it is so circular in nature. What you feel is a delivery boy's uh, requirement today is eventually an IT professional's requirement. And they turned around and said, how so? I said, very simple. If one of the two e-commerce giants were to get an order for a refrigerator today, just imagine how that would be fulfilled. So while there are there is a delivery boy or a logistics company which would go and uh, you know fulfill that demand and that's a entry level blue collar gray collar workforce that you would deploy but the e-commerce giants in themselves are hiring people in the IT skills in the IT sector by the thousands to sustain that whole e-commerce platform to have the uh, websites running to have the products you know the SKUs the different things that they have to manage the data the cloud and the inventorization I will not name any one of them because obviously they happen to be our customers as well. The logistics kicks in and logistics would be a 3PL company whose job is to ensure that after the refrigerator is uh, sold, gets to somebody's home. And that refrigerator is a factory which has to work. And it's one of the FMCD majors, which predominantly would be selling that. And that again would be, you know, a customer, so no brands here. Uh, but if you look at it from an FMCD perspective, a refrigerator today is a smart device. It's no longer on an assembly line just being put together by a lot of blue and gray collar workers. What it has is a huge amount of semiconductors and a huge amount of uh, you know microchips and everything. And when you have to do that, you need tons and tons of IT professionals again to manage that entire ecosystem, that entire uh, you know, management of the outcome in the production itself. You move from there and it eventually gets into people's homes and it gets into the kind of, uh, you know, the outcome which finally uh, gives them, uh, you know, the supply of the consumer durables. And again, 
you would notice that the sales, the marketing, the distribution, the advertising of all of these products is again, you know, circular in nature. So the point I'm trying to make is you may feel that one end of the spectrum is the one that possibly impacts outcomes or it possibly impacts the demand from a segment or demand for a particular skill. But in effect, the economy is circular and hence demand keeps moving. What's happened of late, especially in the last, say about six quarters or something, is that suddenly in the last six quarters, the organizations have just crunched their investment bandwidth on IT in a manner that would have probably otherwise taken half a decade or a decade. The point I'm trying to make is, we did not just move from work from home or work from office, hybrid, work from anywhere mode. What we typically had to do is relook at the way our talent was able to consume the data of the organization, contribute back to the work for the company, work seamlessly in a manner that somebody is in Himachal in a remote location and somebody is in Kerala and somebody is uh, elsewhere. And all of this had to come together and the company still had to ensure that the entire uh, you know, workforce works together with the final output and the outcome which is happening. And for that, a lot of IT uh, talent had to be used, a lot of cloud, a lot of analytics, a lot of hosted data on the cloud, from moving from on-prem to uh, a cloud native kind of an application was essentially suddenly required by all of these organizations. Otherwise, even our basic transactions that we would do as a company would completely get uh, disrupted. And that has suddenly fueled a wave which probably most spenders of IT had not really envisaged and prepared for. Uh, at Quest and particularly at Quest IT staffing, we feel this is here and now not just from a tactical point of view for a 6, 12 or an 18 month. It will last longer than COVID. The spends which IT companies have started doing, the omni-channel presence which companies have started putting together will definitely have a impact for at least three to five years, if not more. And these spends will continuously keep showing off in terms of the IT spend. Just wanted to add one more point here. See, there is a there is a typical crunch, and uh, you know, Grace spoke from the people perspective when she was talking about the different generations. If you go back to the baby boomers' time, you would see that market leaders and products which used to lead markets lasted decades. Uh, technology built would last long, long time. Uh, today, the the cycles have crunched. Today, products and technology is lasting shorter and shorter, which is called the half-life of a company or half-life of a product or half-life of a technology built is becoming shorter and shorter, which simply means that what we feel is endangered today may not be two or three years down the road. What we feel is not endangered today may not be exactly the same two or three years down the road, which means that the upskilling the higher trained deploy models and all, and, and we'll talk about this during the course of the conversation and beyond. But what you'll notice is that those catchments of where there is a high demand or a high supply, low demand, those kind of differentiations would be very visible every two to three years. And both the consumers of technology and technology talent, as well as the givers of talent, will have to constantly keep pacing themselves for every two to three years. So now you can't say I have a five year plan. Your plans will have to be more tactical in nature for months and quarters on an here and now basis and maximum two years or maximum two and a half, 30 months out from a midterm to a long term perspective. You would have to change your plans every two to three years to remain relevant and to assess uh, what may or may not be endangered then. Uh, back to you, Preeti. We'll continue the conversation. Absolutely. And fantastic data points right there from a wide variety of segments and how everything is so interconnected and interrelated, Rohit. So, th Lohit, uh, so thank you very much for that. And with that, uh, you know, I have something going on in my head. Great for you. A question. Essentially, Informatica is in the 
frontline of digitization with your cloud first and cloud native sort of business. With the current times, all the upheavals, the bloodbath, what do you think? Is this a healthy time for hiring? Or uh, what do you think the challenges are and what could be? And uh, what could be done probably better? Over to you. Thank you. Yes, thank you so very much for that wonderful question, Preeti. It allows me to talk a little bit about Informatica in terms of how we've actually moved and, and shifted our game uh, towards cloud first, cloud native, right? I mean, earlier we were uh, very much um, uh, a renew, renewables licenses uh, focus company, but now we're moving drastically towards the subscription model, right? And, and of course, data has never been um, so critical for all businesses, um, you know, um, like the times we have now, right? And it, and it's a great journey we've had so far. And of course, we are looking at ramping up, right? I could very proudly say, um, you know, even during COVID times, even during these challenging times, where most organizations have been looking at uh, downsizing, have been looking at doing uh, a lot more with very less talent, um, Informatica has been very consistent um, with its hiring efforts and numbers, right? Uh, we've really onboarded um, almost on a monthly basis. Uh, we've seen higher number of people joining Informatica all along, um, you know, this virtual journey, I would say for the last 18 months or so. And to your question of is this the right time to hire? Uh, what are some of the challenges? Um, and, and, you know, what are things that we, we can really highlight here, right? One, there's never been a right time to hire, right? Organizations must continue to hire always. When I say that, it's not like you got to keep uh, opening up new positions, but you got to focus on having that warm pipeline of talent on an ongoing basis, right? Because, uh, you know, in a dynamic world, in, in a world which is dramatic as well, right? Because you don't know what the future holds. Um, it's very important to constantly have that pool of talent in the pipeline. That's point number one, right? Because you can never start your staffing efforts after you've gotten the requisition and you're staring at the job description, right? That's not the time to start. I think we need to, every organization for that matter, needs to have farsightedness to say, what does the future look like and proactively maintain that pool of talent? So that's the starting point. Now, is this really causing any ongoing challenges for Informatica? I would be very honest here to say, just like every other company, um, you know, we do have uh, challenges. Now, are the challenges similar or different? Uh, I would think it's a blend, right? Um, in terms of what are some of the common challenges that most organizations are facing? Um, personally, I would say the the offer decline ratio, the the, the talent, right, um, skilled talent, according to me, or the right talent, like uh, Lohit mentioned earlier, um, you know, are always shopping for other offers at any given point of time, right? So that is one common big challenge that that uh, you know we foresee. Second is also about we see a slight decrease in the loyalty levels even at senior hiring uh, um, you know uh, positions or senior positions for that matter right because earlier people really worried about uh, just like the 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 product life cycle um, right people worried about their career life cycle to say i got to stay at least uh, in a company for a significant and a consistent period of time because switching jobs immediately and quick too quickly might just not do me a lot of good however i think that mindset is shifting especially when you bring in this element of a gig economy right where you have people doing more than one job and you have people who are freelancers available uh, you know in a, in a very plug and play mode it's it's very challenging to really attract um, 
and and also uh, higher uh, senior level talent that is one thing that we see uh, most organizations are struggling with now what is unique uh, to informatica uh, is we are looking for talent which is readily available right how can i plug and play we are looking at talent which has multi skills right we're not looking at only programming um, language skills but we are looking at ai ml couple of other complementing skills which will help us put our engineers to the forefront right um, because there is no uh, leeway or there is no time to actually coach and train and skill and reskill so we are looking at people who have a growth mindset and somewhere all along the way this talent is ready to uh, to evolve time and again reinvent right and and that's really something which is very unique about informatica and that's really why maybe our hiring cycles take a little longer and we are very um, careful about hiring the right talent uh, and and therefore we take a longer time to attract this right talent rather than being in a rush to attract talent and then we later on find out this is not the right talent for informatica right because that's not um, something we are into and and therefore exciting times for sure um, there is a lot more effort our talent acquisition team puts in now we do have a lot of um, you know technologies that we kind of leverage we are looking at the latest and greatest available in the industry so we can make smarter hiring decisions because gone are the days where you being very judgmental about um, this personal one on one interview that happens right now i think it it is really imperative for organizations to infuse a lot of technology led hiring uh, however without missing the focus on the human element i think that's very very important and and the the last point i'd love to highlight is uh, all things money right uh, a lot of our talents really looking at the compensation element earlier we would see a bit of um, reluctance in the way candidates put across um, the whole negotiation about the offer right but gone are those days especially in a virtual world where you may never have to meet your interviewer if you don't pick the offer it feels like a very safe space uh, to kind of really engage in in very indulgent conversations i would say around compensation uh, and and i think those are um, some uh, real time challenges that we uh, are facing day in and day out and and of course uh, trying to address them in in multiple ways i would say preeti back to you thank you so much and you know i love the blended and the plug and play approach right there thank you so much for sharing those insights right from every day that is happening around you and lohit today it's definitely an employee led market one of the other trends that i've been noticing is if the companies are not providing the flexibility to the employees especially gen z and after as the workforce is becoming younger and younger and more digital natives with a lot of different value systems and mindsets than say millennials or the baby boomers i think um what is happening is uh, essentially they are doing things differently and lohit as india's leading employer and obviously 250000 headcount just under your division with 100000 more elsewhere and also as the head of the indian staffing federation what are your thoughts on this particular scenario of the tech space being completely employee driven over to you and thank you for those insights in advance thanks preeti first i'd like to just take on a bit from what uh, dr grace mentioned and uh, i think i completely one uh, a sympathize for the situation currently uh, as of now in india and in the better part of the world as far as it talent is concerned i think i also recognize the fact what she was mentioning at least at quest we've been called a constant recruiter and and this has been over the years in the build up of where quest has today become the largest 
private sector employer for India. Um, no matter the fact that we have over 1,000 recruiters among our 5,000 core employees, every fifth person we, you know, uh, famously joke is is a recruiter at Quest. So if there was an award for largest recruitment factory, I'm sure Quest would have got that as well. Uh, the point I'm trying to make is even before this scenario of COVID, we were a constant recruiter. And I, and I completely relate to what Dr. Grace was mentioning. All these years at Quest, we've always said, if there's a great talent out there, constantly meet people, uh, you know, talk to them, align them to your future business needs. Because sometimes you may not have a position in your open tracker book, but you will have a great talent out there, which will tell you exactly where that person fits, not just for your today's here and now kind of problems and your next year's AOP planning and all, but for the future dynamics of the business, what you want to start as a new vertical, what you want to do as a new country, what you want to do as new programs and projects and all. And we're constantly shopping around for people uh, like that. So, you know, we uh, and, and all of us at Quest uh, would constantly be meeting people without, without you know, positions uh, which are there on uh, HR Tracker. Uh, th that's the first part. So I completely, you know, resonate with what uh, Dr. Grace was saying that you're always in the lookout for good talent. The second, I mean, to to your question today, I think the talent also needs to understand that there are there are parts where uh, or there are going to be segments of the industry which possibly would have a mismatch between demand and supply. Uh, and fair, if certain segments do allow you or certain times do allow you to get instead of a 15% hike uh, while transitioning from one employer to another to move to a 25 or a 30%, if that's what the market wages today are, so be it. There's absolutely no shame, no hurt, uh, nothing wrong there. Because they also saw, let's, let's, let's look back five years, just two years ago, Let's look back the last five years and we felt that, you know, the IT industry was starting to sunset. We almost started thinking that everything has now become single rate of growth and Hindu rate of growth, as we would have called it. And every economy and every country was becoming insular. I'm talking about after 2016, Donald Trump, USA, Europe started to becoming insular. Every geography started saying, no, I will put up my own shops here. I will have my own countrymen look after these shops and I will have only my citizens, uh, you know, and suddenly came COVID, suddenly came this whole boom of IT and suddenly came this whole hybrid working and people said, really doesn't matter where you get talent from, doesn't matter if you now need more Indians and all, how does it make a difference as long as my projects are up and running and my customers are taken care of. So I think if people have waited four or five years and now they've got a here and now kind of a time and they're going to demand a bit more, I think it's fine. Uh, what is not fine, and as a large employer, we hire about close to 150,000 people every year. Uh, you know, those are the number of offers Quest lands up giving or more every year. So you can imagine from the most entry level to the most niche skills in IT, everything would be under the sun is what we would be working for. What is not encouraged and is, is not appreciated is when people walk into interviews go through the motion of written test hackathons uh, you know two levels three levels only in the final round to reveal that you know just when you're about to offer or you've just finished the offer stage and they turn around and say you know by the way i also have four other offers waiting in hand and then people start putting those letters on the table and say can you better all four of these i think that is not appreciated uh, so there is a there is a thin line of being uh, aggressive and thin, thin line of being, you know, proactive in a market which is, you know, a, a, a supplier's market here. But it doesn't mean that you become so nasty about it that, you know, you cross over and become unprofessional about it. So I think that part, I completely, again, resonate with Dr. Grace that it would be better off to sense that out to the recruiter at the pre-screening stage itself or at the first round itself, that, hey, I have seven days, I already have an offer in hand. If your offer is going to come in less than seven days, 
it's you know this is the one thing that i'm looking different from my existing offer i'd like to take it ahead but if you're also going to be in similar paradigm or similar geography or similar kind of project i probably don't even want to take it ahead i think that people will appreciate lot more and mind you to all those people as you know as the talent out there they will be remembered by those organizations and tagged in future whenever there is going to be a work which is similar and commensurate to your skills you will be the first one on a speed dial of that hiring manager because of the professionalism you showed at the entire journey of the hiring stage i think that part we must not forget now let's look at a slightly macro picture uh if a lot of indians were to do this enough number of times and when i say enough number of times i'm not talking days or weeks i'm talking months quarters and years here we will get to a stage and it's already getting to that point that a lot of overseas companies have started asking should we even look at india's talent because that arbitrage which was there is diminishing very quickly uh, we still have a a geography disadvantage or time zone disadvantage if you have to work uk or europe you are away by about 8 hours you have to do us you are away by about 10 and a half to 12 hours depending on what time zones you are looking at and stuff like that so the point i'm trying to make is as a nation we have to recognize that we can only push the envelope as talent to a point beyond that people will start moving to other zones other destinations other uh, countries and they will possibly start getting some of the talent from there or they would cut the requirements from one country which is possibly got overheated and maybe go to other countries where people are being a little more professional about the entire hiring experience and the entire uh, uh, you know the offer offer management experience and stuff like that just to add to a point i think as quest what we've learned and as quest it staffing what we've learned is that a lot of things have to be done today just using let's say a monster.com as as a database uh, to source talent may not be the only one so we've coupled that obviously that remains probably one third of all our hires that we do but we also supplement another third by what's called the referencing mechanism today we have about 10000 engineers work for us in india and another 6000 outside of india and southeast asia middle east and uh, the likes we use this 16000 talent to do you know referencing for us and that refer peer referencing and peer review gives us anywhere between 30 to 50000 people on a monthly basis everybody contributing two to three references and that becomes viral if you keep doing that over and over over and over just run that algorithm for about 24 months and you'll see the volume of database that you create the third thing that we've done is we look at hackathons in a very very big way uh, and when people come together collaborating without really a job description particularly for you uh, what you're looking at you're just contributing to more skill that can pour into the bucket and then you can use it across different segments across different time zones for different customers when the requirements come uh, but yeah i mean when you have to hire about a lakh and a half people and more in a year uh, more the merrier so uh, any amount of uh, uh, you know concepts which are possible under the sun we would uh, we would consume each one of them and we are constantly on the lookout to enhance productivity uh, we use a lot of technology in what we do uh, and we have to i mean for us because the business itself is hr the amount of tech we have starting from uh, you know finding talent uh, doing matching of database screening putting them through some form of test uh, you know onboarding them managing them right till the end of their life with a customer project and all i think we wouldn't be far enough uh, from today where we would say that quest has more it engineers sitting and managing all the technology then the number of recruiters who probably recruit so so to to people out there who feel that you know hr and hr companies are pretty fuddy duddy by that expectation and they still do a lot of manual work on papers and all let me tell everybody who's hearing out there uh, hr companies are also quickly becoming uh, you know tech companies because we have to use all of this technology at the base of it 
to ensure that we are able to do what our customers expect us to do back to you preeti thank you so much lohit and for me what stands out is never to burn bridges number 1 referrals 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 number 2 and work smart by using and deploying technology so absolutely spot on right there and here is a question from amit singh and this is for the both of you i'm going to go to grace first i did hear her touch upon this briefly when she was talking about the earlier question and amit says how have you both tackled offer declines as today's candidates come up with multiple offers and i am going to sort of um add another one here which is by uh, because they are both in tandem you know so this is by venkat um how do you handle resources who are holding multiple offers and looking at 100 to 150% hikes so amit says how do you tackle offer declines and venkat wants to ask how about the hikes um please take both and i'm going to come to you grace first and then i will move on to lohit over to you grace thank you thank you thank you and and thank you to, to both of the audience who who posted those uh, interesting and very realistic questions right uh, one uh, have we tackled offer declines i think we are still tackling them right that's the way i would look at it because it is a very ongoing thing it's not like it's done and dusted and we've kind of mastered the art um, so how does one tackle it um personally would definitely recommend that we talk about this in the earlier stages during the screening process right um and and there is always this stress about uh, how can you start building that relationship with the candidate uh, and and focus on the candidate experience and all along the way screen them through the entire process right because technical um, skill fitment is is one aspect but what's very important is to look at fitment from a cultural standpoint right is this candidate really going to be an employee of choice for us and is this candidate going to be an employee in uh, coming into informatica for the long haul right so i think it's very important to have candid conversations gone are the days where you would be very wobbly about your questions and go around the, the uh, you know the, the whole discussion to post that one fine print question that you want to um, really ask right but now i think it is about transparency candidates do understand where employees are coming from they are already prepared for these questions as well right there's a whole lot of literature available in terms of how does one prepare uh, to have this impactful interview and that literature is also available for employers right so both of us i think Uh, both parties have mastered the art and therefore i think it warrants a very candid conversation just to ensure um you know you really uh, taking this additional step forward with this candidate after being convinced with the fact that this person is serious about the offer uh, with informatica or with my organization and therefore you know clarify questions and also clarify expectations right at the beginning yes would you run the risk of being viewed as somebody who's very highly focused you might just run the risk of this candidate not showing up for the interview or not showing up for the onboarding yes there is a chance however um, you know um, the the degree of offer declines uh, declines can be curbed with screening them ahead um, in in the process now um, the second question if i remember right is how do you deal with people or candidates who have multiple offers right they are shopping and window shopping all the time right and then there's multiple conversations that happen and and especially these days in a virtual world i think these conversations are a lot more uh, in number uh, people want to just test the waters as well right so the 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 most important thing again here is two elements right <coughs> excuse me the first one definitely is um when you think about talent which has multiple offers that is definitely smart talent out there 
because of which they've gotten multiple offers, right? Second, you need to look at how niche is this skill, right? And if the skill is very niche, we live in a day and time where you, you definitely need that talent for the organization. Therefore, would offer what, uh, you know, according to you is affordable to, to, to bring this talent in, right? However, again, bringing in this element of straight talk, transparency, um, right? And not giving things in writing. And like um, Lohit talked about the other, uh, you know, in the earlier uh, bit, talking about these are going to be recorded. These organizations are going to remember this talent, right? And and it, it's not going to fade away very, very soon from memory. So it's very important for candidates to be as professional and organizations also to be professional, to really call out and say, this is going to be the upper limit of the offer that we would be able to uh, afford as an organization rather than, uh, you know, increasing the stretch element, right? The more we entertain and stretch and become more and more flexible, I'm sure this candidate is going to have a similar conversation with the other companies where he's holding offers from. So it's very important not to be rigid, but to be firm and, and, and set expectations upfront saying, this is our affordability, these are the expectations, these are the levels. And, and very important to also be very candid about um, how we want to deal with the entire process. If the candidate's going to, uh, to be uh, shopping all along and then finally declines the offer, I think it is, it is going to be smart of us to have quick pipeline that we can build in and, and prioritize the other candidates over people who are window shopping with a, about three, four offers, as long as the skills are not uh, heavily niche. Back to you, Preeti. Okay. Thank you so much. Absolutely on point insights right there. And it's over to you, Lohit. Same thing, multiple offers, 100 and 150% salary hike. How do you deal with it? Over to you. Thank you. So if you're a IT company out there or if you're a customer out there who wants to hire this talent, the first answer would be use Quest IT staffing or Quest staffing to get talent for you. Uh, and I'm not just doing a marketing or a sales pitch here for everyone. Uh, I'll tell you why. See, I've always believed that the HR space will always remain the most complicated buying decision. And, and please take this word buying with a pinch of salt and I'll tell you why. Uh, when you go buy a vehicle or you get a pen or you buy a cell phone for yourself or for that matter, a house, which is probably one of the biggest decisions we ever make in our, in our lives. And most people just do it once and maybe twice or whatever. Uh, in each of these things, it's an inert product that you're getting. And that comes without a mind, without an emotion, without a culture, without a DNA, without an expectation. So when the buyer says, I want this house, this car, this pen, this uh, vehicle or whatever, the product does not turn around and say, no, but I don't want you. And I will not go home with you. You know, the product quietly comes. HR space and human is the only product in the entire world and will always remain the only product which has a choice to say no to the buyer and can turn around and say, no, I'm going, not going with you. And that's where having a great staffing partner, having anybody in between to manage that process for you actually does exactly what Dr. Grace said, sets expectations early on. As a client, you would always hesitate. Are you offering too much? Are you offering too less? And no HR manager has ever cracked this puzzle that at what stage have you offered too much and you got a yes because you offered too much, you could have gone a few notches lower. And at what stage did you offer just about a little lower? Had you gone one notch up, the person would have said yes and would have come with you. And that's where I think a staffing company or any talent provider helps customers in a big way because they take care of that nuance. 
from a from a quest perspective when we are doing this obviously we have to give people to our customers we are faced with the same problem people will come with multiple offers people will come with un unexpected expectations right of 100 and 150% and stuff like that i think where we look at it is again i am taking off from dr grace so sorry grace you you get the first word out so i'll have to i'll have to take some sound bites from you but you know she made a very valid point on at least two fronts i completely resonate one set expectations early on that's what we tell our 1000 plus recruiters please set expectations do not send people to the customer when expectations have not been set appropriately and quite uh, clearly and when i say expectations please remember it's not just monetary what are you supposed to do there what is your immediate and medium term and long term activity there what do you graduate in that organization to become when that project gets over what can you do next is it a sustainable program is it a sustainable company you can go from program to program project to project skill level to skill level or is it just you know very tactical here and now one year and then you're out we have to set all of this expectation and go beyond monetary beyond monetary could be who would you mentor along with who would your mentees be what kind of teams can you get what kind of culture does this company have what kind of dna does it have how many leaders does it produce over the years so we've all over the years when we studied at least in the indian environment we famously heard every year the number of ceos that hul throws out into the indian industry right it's become a factory of sorts to produce ceos for tomorrow what will happen 10 years from today we've got about close to a 100000 startups today if they were to all survive 5 to 8 years from today each one of them would need board of directors on an average as per the government's plan minimum 4 to 6 independent directors 600000 people would be required a decade from today only for startups to have board of directors add to it all the listed companies add to it all the fortune 500 companies having base in india suddenly you'll realize that the next talent shortage in india is there aren't enough board of directors or there aren't enough professionals who can take those positions so the point i'm trying to make is i think set the overall expectation that you come here this may be your compensation part or your monetary part but here are the other benefits that you have in this ecosystem or in this organization and which is where you eventually get to that's one part second again uh, dr grace said it but i'll just elaborate a bit is having options having alternates you know it's just like a beautiful sales pipeline and all along we've always been told your results are going to be dependent on the great funnel that you make as a sales professional the same goes for hr professionals if your funnel is good if you have good number of candidates in the pipeline you may have to sacrifice the best person who seems as best on paper or on an interview but if that person is a constant shopper only for money i completely you know second grace's opinion there drop that person because that person will never be an engaged talent even after the person joining your organization and it's better to have one notch less on ability but have two notches higher on retention you know and uh, succession and somebody who stays with the organization you know for a meaningful period of time you don't want a person who just up and abouts in the middle of a project and says i've got another 100% somewhere else so now i'm leaving you in the lurch and you can take care of your own project in between so you you need to be uh, really careful there as well uh, as to do you have enough pipeline or you don't have enough pipeline are you going after a really super niche and whenever you're faced with this question of what is niche let's ask ourselves what truly niches i remember first time around when i shifted over 15 years ago from products to services my first mandate as part of a search company was a profile for an underwriting position for an insurance major where they wanted an actuarial head priti believe you me 15 years ago that's the time i actually came to know what is truly niche the total number of actuarial professionals with more than 10 15 years experience in india back 15 years ago which a 
IRDA certified insurance company could hire at a CXO level. They were 22 in the country. 18 already had great jobs. Four were left. And of those four, three were already, you know, going to the next level. To We had only one candidate in the whole country. That is called niche. So, so whenever a recruiter or whenever a hiring manager is faced with this point that is this niche, ask yourself, is this truly niche or are we calling it niche? We aren't working hard enough. And the last point I'll raise here is a good conversation with hiring managers sometimes gives you great insight. As a recruiter, go back and speak to the hiring manager and say, while this is the template you've given me, if I get you person with this, 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 this put together as a skill already, can you scale this person to the next level and add this one missing piece of the puzzle? Will that be a better talent to have? Then trying to keep going for the niche, niche, niche by making a JD, which is so long. And in the end, you find only Donald Trump, you know, so so that's that's what I would leave it with. Back to you, Preeti. Thank you so much and absolutely brilliant stories. And again, you know, not all just bookish knowledge. These are lived experience that so totally resonate and absolutely wonderful. Fortunately, unfortunately, we have time enough only for just this. Questions are pouring in, but people, um, we have time just enough to ask Grace and Lohit for their very quick tips and tricks about the entire market observation uh, of the positive and negative in impacts all of this upheaval is causing right now and what should be done and what should not be done to then take us out of this big problem of talent currently. So let me go to you, Grace, first, and then I will move on to Lohit. Over to you. Thank you, Grace. Sure. Sure. Thank you, Preeti. And I'll really keep it short and to the point. So Lohit can have uh, some newer topics or suggestions uh, for the audience, right? Um, so so quickly, when we really look at the, the entire scheme of things in terms of what can organizations do? We all know there is a problem, right? And this is the problem. We've nailed the problem. But what about solutions? Are these solutions going to be long-term futuristic or are we looking at short-term solutions? I think one, it starts with the leadership of any organization, right? Um, a lot of times what happens is, um, you know, leadership often think that they've arrived in life, right? Um, and, and, and apologies to be very straight about it, but I think it's very important to understand to manage a very different kind of workforce, uh, you know, which is kind of multi-generational, you got to also evolve in terms of your own strategy, your own personal growth, and are we as leadership capable of leading from the front in the literal sense, right? Um, this um, workforce which is exclusive, elusive, and endangered. So that is the first question to ask and, and the first solution if you start working upon it, right? Second, we are trying to manage talent, um, you know, um, at a surface level, uh, according to me, right? We got to ensure we are cross-killing talent as an organization, right? Because gone are the days where you have people on bench, right one project's over they are uh, shopping for another project which where uh, you know they can fit in well right you got to have a pool of talent which is cross-skilled multi-skilled because you know you got to really ensure you're able to cross-pollinate you're able to plug and play talent depending on projects needs rather than having rigidity in the whole talent space saying, hey, I am, uh, you know, a developer and therefore my job is only X, Y, Z. This is my primary skill. This is my programming skill. I don't come with any front end uh, skills or back end skills. That's not going to work on the long run. Right. So it's very important for talent and for organizations to realize that multi-skilling cross-pollination is really the name of the game. 
and and that's what is going to be sustainable in the future no matter what the skills are today is ai and ml 20 years later we don't know what it's going to be called right it'll be one of the alphabets uh, of the 26 i'm sure but we don't know in which combination so it's very important to understand that skilling cross skilling cross pollination is essential for every organization right the third one i would um, stress upon here um, right in, in a very conscious manner is uh, and this is more for organizations to realize um, is when there's scarcity of resources we really try to increase the yield that may not work on an ongoing basis because it has a ripple effect in terms of work-life balance, in terms of providing flexibility, in terms of employee health and well-being. And, and of course, emotionally, does one feel like they belong to the organization? That is very, very essential for organizations to be mindful about, right? In, especially in, in a hybrid, uh, you know, a workplace or in a virtual workplace expecting employees to yield beyond their capabilities adds additional artificial pressure on employees um, you know to believe that this is not the place i want to really work for because my manager does not care my organization doesn't care for my well-being because gone are the days when it's only about pocketing some money right it is about everything else and covid's really taught us how less is needed to 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 live a very happy life right and and employees mindset and and um, you know talent really looking at it from a different angle and that's why those hard negotiations during offers etc because it's not just about money but about flexibility about culture do i feel like i belong am I, is my well-being going to be of primary importance to this employer so on and so forth so these are top three things that i would really um, kind of uh, encourage all of us to look at because it will give a very rounded approach in terms of taking care of talent making them feel like they're important and and belong which will increase the their growth and their retention and of course when you're leading from the front as leaders you're just setting a great example to say this is the company to work for um, those are my uh, small bits to you Preeti and, and of course over to Lohit thank you very much and you know Grace my takeaway from there is put the human back in the human resources. Essentially, that's what you have said all along, IDEB. So make it inclusion, equity, um, IDEB, yeah. So uh, diversity and moreover, belonging. That is the number one priority. Thank you so much for sharing those insights. Absolutely resonates. And it is over to you now, Lohit, for your insights. Thank you. So thanks, Preeti. Uh, I think uh, first and foremost, I always believe in life lessons, and and I'll and I'll tell you uh, an analogy that I want to give everyone. It's always harder to buy an aged plant or a tree, for that matter, not a plant, uh, 10, 15, 20, 25 years, and you can keep going upwards and replant it in any other uh, location in another destination. However, safe you've done it. Uh, the ability for it to survive, bear fruits thereafter, will be a lot lesser. It's just like that for talent also. If a company is having to hire at the base also from outside, in the mid-management also from outside, in the top management also from the outside, every level they're having to go external and get lateral talent, and there's always this crisis which is brewing there, I think there's something fundamental. You need to sit down with your HRBPs. You need to sit down with your CHROs and plan the talent requirements of your organization far better. The simple analogy is saplings have a lot greater ability to survive. Get them young, get them as many as you can, layer over a period of time, take care of them, mentor them, mentee them, look after them, you know, season after season and ensure that those saplings convert into bushes, shrubs, trees, and thereafter start bearing fruit and stuff like that. I think if that's the kind of pyramid you make in your organization, you'll be extremely, extremely safe 
rather than having to always constantly look for uh, you know solutions at every end of the pyramid the second what i wanted to mention is we haven't just got a problem because of covid we've also in some ways got solutions from covid are we listening to those solutions that will probably change the paradigm as to how we think one work from anywhere and having an ability to work from everywhere is a reality today are we using that enough number of times or are we still hard coding our uh, job description irrespective of whether we need it or not we're saying this position is for bangalore this is for hyderabad this is for delhi ncr do we need everybody to be in those specific locations or can they co collaborate and co create from wherever they are that will suddenly open up a huge paradigm from an employment perspective again the staffing industry is today very clear your employment mix will not be complete unless you're looking at every facet of it which is permanent employees staffing employees and gig workforce and within the gig workforce everybody that you need as a talent for every position in your organization not necessarily has to be a 45 hour a week workforce you don't necessarily need them from a monday to friday from morning till evening every day on the clock india unfortunately on a 49.7% female population has less than 22% women working in corporates even today at senior management it becomes in single digits at boards it's less than 5% what does that really tell us that tells us there's a huge uh you know population one gender out there which is disproportionately less utilized or used uh can we make the job description and the requirements such that they can plug in from their own environment from their own home if it can be then you replace the shortage of talent elsewhere if the 22% women were to tomorrow just become 44% believe you me everybody who's asking for a 100% hike will start coming in even with a 5% hike because we will be flushed with so many more uh, you know talented people out there which we are probably not looking at so diversity from that aspect inclusiveness irrespective of where the people are the kind of employment that you can offer including the gig and the staffing employment so you'll have to decide and divide if you've got projects for the short term you may want to put them on gig oblique staffing you have projects for the long term you have some continuity about it you may just want to put them on the staffing you've got something very very strategic in nature and you see that in the next 5 and 10 years also this talent in your organization is not going to hit the glass ceiling that's when you should go for a permanent employment because the talent also who comes in is constantly seeing do i have at least two more levels to you know accomplish in this organization or am i hitting the glass ceiling next so i think as far as we are able to do this as far as we are able to broad base ourselves for all the available talent out there and not just myopically restrictively look at it the way we used to look at it say 2 years ago shall shall probably give us a lot of answers to probably the question that you are asking so that's how we look at it thank you so much for that lohit and as an equity and inclusion ally i'm extremely heartened and so is grace my dear friend i know for a fact she is a big ally as well for touching upon not leaving half the population behind and taking all of us in fact along because that only widens the horizon like you said so thank you for that dear audience this was talent exclusive elusive or endangered episode number 1 called how big is the problem with my two dear friends dr grace samson of informatica and lohit bhatia of questcorp this series is powered by questcorp and quest it staffing and with my two friends and dear panelists this is preeti choudhary saying jai hind do take good care thank you for tuning in and watch out for other segments in this series until the next time please do take good care and stay safe thank you Thank you Lohit thank you Grace Thank you Grace and thanks thank really for having us